Uh, so I wanted to share this marked moment. We've been talking about marked moments, right? And um, we've been, I, I wanted to share this marked moment in my life with you. So a few years back, um, I found myself in the middle of a social media banter back and forth with Katie Keene. And, um, and, and Katie posted something like this on, uh, I think it was Facebook, and said, don't you just love baby elephants? Doesn't everybody want a baby elephant? They're so cute. To which I responded very cynically and said, there's nothing cute about that. And who wants a baby elephant? They're muddy and they're dirty. So it kind of began this banter back and forth between Katie and I. And, uh, and, and then, you know, a few, I don't know how much longer it was, weeks, months, I can't remember. And um, Katie came to me and she said, your office is in desperate need of some mm, something, some inspiration. It had been for decades, it hadn't been touched, and it still, it, and it looked like it. It was, it was, it was a sad place. And so she started with just one wall. She said, can I, can I do one wall? I think she was afraid that, you know, I think she just wanted to test it out to make sure I, it was okay to go, because later she went all in. But so she did one wall, and I was so excited about it because I thought, oh my gosh, finally some inspiration in my office, because I spend, you know, especially then, so much time in it. So I walked into my office, and I come in, and I look at this beautiful or beautifully arranged wall. It's got artwork, and everything is just so specifically arranged on the wall. And my brain doesn't think like that. Have you ever seen, like, you walk into an area, and you go, I could have never in a million years created that space in my head. Well, Katie can do that. And so she, she started playing around in my office, and, and now she does it all over, and she's incredible. So if you need a good designer, talk to Katie. But on this wall are the pictures, all different shapes, sizes, arranged so specifically. And then my eye went to this one canvas on the wall where she had apparently gone to Hobby Lobby. You know you go to Hobby Lobby and they have those just blank canvases and you can put on it whatever you want. Well, she decided to go to Hobby Lobby and put whatever she wanted on a canvas that was gonna hang on my wall. And the canvas said, I love baby elephants. And I was so annoyed. <laughs> Uh, and I thought, uh, and that probably tells you why God set me on this journey, because the fact that I was so annoyed by it kind of, you know, tells you how stiff I must have been <laughs> and frustrated. So I'm like, seriously, Katie, like this beautiful wall, and then there's that. And I'm, all I'm thinking is, this is going to, like, take time. People come in my office. They're going to ask questions. It's just going to be useless chatter about the stupid conversation, about a Facebook post, about a baby elephant that was muddy. And I don't have time for that. And so, uh, you know, what I wish I could say was when I saw that piece of artwork on the wall in my office that I immediately said, God, what's the message here? 
I know you're speaking some great truth to me through the wisdom of Katie Keene. I know there's something here. But no, that was not the case. <laughs> that was not the case at all. And um, so I, I don't know why I was so frustrated. Well, actually, I do now. But at the time, I didn't know why I was so frustrated by it. And um, hang on a minute. I lost my... So in my... Um, confusion and frustration, I, I finally just settled that this is going to stay here. Uh, okay, hang on a minute. So yeah, I, was, I, was, I had this on my notes and I'm like, wait a minute, did I not say something right? Because I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. So thanks guys back there. So here we are. Um, I wish I could say that I was immediately in that moment listening to the voice of God. I wish I could say I understood why it bothered me that this sign now had a permanent spot in my office. And, but my viewpoint was kind of distorted. And it was interesting how God can take the small things to get our attention. So whether Katie knew it or not, I don't know. I don't think she did. She's shaking her head. No, no, she did not know. Um, whether she knew it or not, she became an instrument to which God could speak a profoundly life-changing message to me. So let me talk a little bit about my marked moment. Oh, wait a minute. Let me share quickly first. Um, this is the sign that was in my office, or it is in my office. Now, let me say, the first one didn't have the elephant, right? It didn't have the color, just an elephant. Yeah, she's like Stephanie, get it right. So when she first put it up, it just had, I love, I love me some baby elephants. And it was the elephant. Well, later she came back and redesigned my whole office and she brought some Kelly green into it. So now I have a pretty green elephant in my office. So now when you go in my office, there it's now the gift. So lots of people buy me elephants and there's elephants all over. <laughs> all over my office. I had a friend come visit one day and she said, what's up with the elephants? <laughs> like, is there some weird religious thing here? Is there some like, I'm like, no, 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 here's what it is, you know. So this is the sign that hangs in my office. I love me some baby elephants. Thank you, Katie Keene, for the beautiful artwork. I also have for Katie um, something special. It is a t-shirt with an elephant on the back, just like the one I'm wearing. And it says Ivory Ella. Now, obviously that's the brand, but I thought, isn't that funny that it's, it's Ella who is her daughter? So anyway, okay. So nearly a year or so later, I am sitting in my office and I'm having a conversation with someone who is leading areas of ministry. And have you ever had that moment when someone is talking and you just want them to stop talking? <laughs> because what they are saying is not what you want to hear. So imagine me in my office with my love me some baby elephant sign hanging behind me. Still don't have any reason why, any revelation on it. In this conversation, this person is talking about um, some areas of leadership they were leading. And the more they talked, the more my blood started to boil. I became very frustrated. I was very disappointed. And I started having a, a you know, if you ever, when someone's talking, but you have your own conversation going on in your mind, they're there doing this. 
and in your head, a whole other conversation's actually taking place. Do you know what I'm talking about? So the conversation in my head is, I can't believe they said that, and I can't believe she did that, and I can't, oh my gosh, that's not the way you handle that, and why did they do it that way? That is the wrong way to handle that. I felt like in that moment that my personal values and the values that I find in Scripture, the things that Jesus loves and the things that the Scriptures tell us and lead us to how to lead and love others, I felt like none of that had just been described to me. So there was this inner conflict beginning to happen, and I felt like, okay, I've, I've, I've had conversation about this. This isn't the first time that we've discussed this. This is not the only person I've had this, this kind of inner toy more with. This is not the way that, that Pastor D and I want to lead Bethel. This is not the way we want areas to be led. I feel like it's not a safe harbor, which is what we, our hearts are to build. So it was like all this inner turmoil. This person was talking and I wanted just to say, please stop. And in the middle of that conversation, it was like time froze and the room was silent. And I don't know that it really was, but that's what happened in my mind. And you know, preachers always exaggerate things. So, you know, <laughs> and a light came down, oh, you know. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I heard this, Stephanie, you love baby elephants. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I couldn't end that meeting quick enough to get that person out of my office because I knew in that moment, I'm like, okay, God just spoke something to me and I need to figure out what does this message mean? I love baby elephants. And I, and I knew, I'm like, okay, yeah, that, so finally, I, I'm going to get an answer to this annoying canvas that's held place in my office, on my wall, it, like, important real estate with a stupid message. But now, I'm like, okay, I do love baby elephants. What does that mean? I do love baby elephants. So, as I sat there, I realized that I was frustrated earlier because the heart of Jesus and the values that I cherish were not being adequately re reflected. I was experiencing things like this, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced as well. Heightened anxiety and frustration. Strained relationships. Decreased productivity. A sense of inauthenticity and the normalization of dysfunction. And so those were some of the things that were so frustrating me, but in that moment when God said, Stephanie, you do love baby elephants, I began to get clarity. You see, where there's an elephant in the room, you know, and you've heard that saying, the elephant in the room, meaning there's a significant issue or a problem that's being avoided, a problem that's being ignored, and the effects on that culture, both personally and corporately, can be really far-reaching. And the effects of problems that are not faced head-on can be profound. 
So the elephant in the room, you've all heard that saying, the elephant in the room, it refers to those glaring and uncomfortable truths that everyone is aware of, yet no one wants to talk about. The elephants represent problems that we ignore and we hope somehow they will disappear. And the larger the elephant in the room is, the less space there is for anything or anyone else. An elephant in the room can literally suffocate everyone else in the room because it's so big. An elephant in a room can actually lead you off course from where you're supposed to go because you can't see around it because it's blocking your view of what you need to see. Have you ever been in a meeting with an elephant in the room? Have you ever sat at the family dinner table with an elephant in the room? You know, the elephant in the room, it's a saying that we've, I think it goes all the way back like to the 1800s. And it talked about this guy at a museum and, and the writer said he was walking through this museum and he was focused on all the little things that he could see in the museum. But he, and he referenced all of the little things, but he never mentioned the fact that there was a large, real elephant in the room. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We focus on all the little things that we can fix and we ignore the glaring issue that's blocking everything. The elephant in the room can have cascading effects and those effects impact individuals, they impact organizations. An elephant in a room could actually even impact an entire society. If everyone just ignores and doesn't want to deal with the problems that we all see. So as followers of Christ, we are called to bring the good news of what? the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's love for humanity to all the world, right? That's what we're called to do. That is the great commission. But we cannot fulfill the great commission if all we're doing is working around the elephant in the room or the problems are so big that we're faced looking at the problems and not being able to release ourselves of that to actually do what God has called us to do. Have you ever tried to do something but the problems are so weighing you down that you can't do what you're called to do because this thing over here is so heavy. It's, if you go back to the elephant and there, you can't even get around it to get out of the room because the elephant is so big. So it's literally blocked you from going and doing what you're called to do because it's so big. Proverbs 3, chapter 5, verse 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. See, when you talk about problems, am I the only one who's ever had a problem in a family or only one that's had a problem with in, a, in an office setting or am I the only one? Has anybody else had a problem or two or 10 or 20? Absolutely. Here's the thing. So I've, I've told you guys before, I'm a recovering peacemaker. <laughs> you know, if whatever it takes just to make the peace, keep things calm. That's how I like things. But what I realized was in keeping the peace, the elephant was getting bigger. And other people were suffocating because I was allowing the elephant to keep getting bigger. So ultimately it came back to being my responsibility. But here's the thing, I would have nice conversations and encouraging conversations and, you know, at a boy, at a girl conversations. You've got this. You can do this. What do you think about that? I would have those type of conversations. But what I didn't do is take what the Word of God says and apply it to my situation, or maybe in parts and pieces I did. So I thought, this is what we have to do, and what I began to do and learned to do was find the scriptures that give me the clarity of how to deal with the elephant in the room. Scripture offers us guidance of how to address problems, and there's three key words that I want you to write down or remember or put in your phone or whatever. The first is honesty. Isn't, isn't that a great thought? Let's just be honest about what we feel and what we think. Love. Because honesty that's not clothed in love, ooh. Somebody ever said, well, I just have to tell you what I really think. And you're like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Cloak it in a little love. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And accountability. Honesty, love, and accountability. And I found a biblical map of how we address the elephants in the room. Because to ignore it, we've already determined, is, it's not a good thing. But also to address it, now I'm the peacemaker. Some of you challengers out there are like, no elephants in my room, man, I just bulldozed them over. <laughs> so how we address the elephants in the room are important. And we have to go to scripture. So the first thing I wanna talk about, just kind of giving us what I call a biblical map. A biblical map of how we address problems, issues that we all face. Could be in the office, could be in the family, could be in your marriage, could be in your own life. We have to lead ourselves first. So the first thing is create space for honest communication. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16, encourages us to speak the truth 
In what? In love. When we face difficult issues, we should approach them with honesty as best as we can from our perspective, with love and compassion. Sometimes a heartfelt conversation over a cup of coffee can change everything. Sometimes just a conversation. You know, in our world today, we have so many elephants. It's insane. But one of the reasons why we have so many elephants is because we are not willing just to sit down and have a conversation. If you don't understand someone's perspective, that's the moment that you just talk to them. Just, and here, and this is interesting because from my perspective, at being the recovering peacemaker, so when I would have problems that I would have to deal with, I would avoid those conversations. And at all costs, like I, I did not want to have difficult conversations. But what I found as I got better at it that in those difficult conversations was actually where the peace came. Like I would think, I would play it out in my head. So, okay, when I sit down with this person, they're gonna say that, and she's gonna say that, I'm gonna say this, and I know they're gonna feel like that. And, then, and you know what? I had it so played up in my head when I actually sat down and had the conversation. By the end of it, we're hugging each other and like, I'm so glad we talked, that was great. Now I understand and you understand. That's what scripture's talking about. Create the space for honest communication. Number two, seek for reconciliation. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 instructs us how to deal with conflicts. It suggests... If we have an issue with someone, approach them privately and address the matter to seek reconciliation. Does anybody know what reconciliation means? Reconciliation, according to Webster's, means this. Number one, restoration of friendly relations. Number two, the action of making one view, belief, oh, here we go, compatible with the other. See, reconciliation is not, well, I just told them, and, and they said this, but I said that, and by the time, they knew what I thought by the end of it, and, and I gave them a hug and a pat on the back, and I said, we'll just agree to disagree. <laughs> that is not the definition of reconciliation, compatible with others. Now, of course, there are scriptural truths in the word of God that is our guide. But we never should go into a meeting with, I said that, and she said that, and I'm gonna say that, they're gonna say that, and I know I'm right. The, the third definition is harmony. When you walk away from a conversation with someone when you walk away from a conversation with the elephant in the room, you should be praying that it creates a space for harmony. A space where, now with harmony, music can be played. 
And it sounds beautiful. It's not always going to be that way. But that is what we seek for. Number three, be willing to talk about the tough stuff. That includes the three-letter word, sin. Be willing to talk about the tough stuff. Galatians chapter six, verse one, reminds us of a responsibility to restore those who have fallen into sin gently. Verse two says that we bear one another's burdens. We should be willing to come alongside someone and gently lead them back to the cross, back to restoration with the Father. And in, while we're doing that, sometimes we have to help them carry the burden as well. And we should be willing to walk that out with them. That is reconciliation. That is bearing one another's burdens. Number four, be open to accountability. James chapter five, verse 16 encourages us, confess our sins to one another and pray for each other that you, oh, this is good, that you may be, what? Healed. Being open about our struggle creates an environment of accountability and support. Notice, this is a two-way conversation. I find when I'm talking to someone about a difficult topic, I will always go into that topic and say, I understand, or you've told me that you feel like this. Let me share with you when I have felt that same feeling. Let me connect with you on that level because as you share your heart, I share my heart, together we are healed. But when I only allow them to share theirs and I say, oh, well, I, yeah, sorry you're feeling like that, and yeah, you know, if you just read your Bible more, if you just pray more, you know, you could fix that situation. And, oh, I'm, you know, I've never, I've never dealt with that, sister, but, you know, if I were you, I would. That is such a condemning approach. When someone is bearing their heart to you, it's an opportunity. You don't have to tell all your stuff. But it is an opportunity to say, I know how you feel. I remember one time when I was going through this. And and together, there's a healing that takes place. Again, reconciliation. Number five, open your heart to wisdom from others and open your heart to give wisdom to others. Some of us older people in the room will say things like this. I'm not not saying anything anymore. Every time I say something, they just shut me down. So I'm just not gonna say anything anymore. But the reality is there's wisdom from your years of experience that when you 
pull it together with the scripture map, you can actually change someone's life. So be open to giving your heart and your experiences and your wisdom. But when someone talks to you, also be open to hear what they have to say to you. Proverbs chapter 15, 22, seeking counsel from wise and godly individuals. Scripture actually says, without counsel, plans go awry. Anybody ever been there before? You're like, I got this one. I got it all figured out. And you, you get down the road and you're like, you know, and you can't figure out where you're going because you were just busting out 100 miles an hour. And then you get further down and you're like, whoa, maybe I should have asked somebody for some help along the way. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Our plans are established through a multitude of counselors. Now, Find counselors and people of wisdom that have been where you've been. Don't find people, don't get in a room with five people that have never been there before either. And try to get where you need to go. Find some people that know where you're going and have been there and got some nicks and some bruises along the way and can say, well, here's what I've learned. Number six, live a life of prayer and dependence on God. Philippians chapter four, six and seven. It reminds us to bring our anxieties to God and prayer because when we do, the peace of God will fill our hearts. You have to go to God in prayer. You have to take things to him and say, God, this elephant is big. It, it, it's suffocating me. Have you ever been so impacted by a problem that was so big that you literally felt like the life was being sucked out of you? I have been there before because the problem was so big. But if we take it to God in prayer, the peace of God will begin to rule in that situation. Number seven, grow and develop the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When we're dealing with the elephants, the problems in our world, in our lives, in our offices, in our marriage, you have to evoke the fruits of the Spirit. You can't get rid of a problem with fear-based mentalities. You can't get rid of a problem by scorning or manipulation. You get rid of a problem. You walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I, you walk it out in love, in joy, and peace, and patience, long-suffering. Remember when it said we bear one another's burdens? Sometimes when you are getting rid of the elephant in the room, you know the other saying, how do you get rid of an elephant in the room? You eat it one bite at a time. And sometimes that requires long suffering. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we just have to bear each other's burdens together, but we have to do it in the fruits of the Spirit. 
And number eight, repentance and forgiveness. Well, there's a word you don't hear a whole lot, two words actually in, in church much anymore. Colossians chapter, not necessarily here, just in general. Colossians chapter three urges us to put on the tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. You have to forgive. It's not an option. Forgiveness is not an option. And it may be hard, and that's where you go back to pray, and you ask God, and you seek sound counsel over, but you must forgive, because when you don't forgive, you've heard this before, but it's so true. Who does it hold captive? You or the person you need to forgive? They've moved on, but you are still bound by unforgiveness, and God cannot move. And sometimes you just have to repent. What's repentance? God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, I repent. I change my actions and my behaviors. I am headed this way, but I'm turning around and I'm going this way. I am walking away from the problem. I'm walking away from the sin. I'm walking away from the thing that leads me in the wrong place. Repentance and forgiveness. Ushers, if you want to go ahead and start sharing this morning. The number, number nine is courage and trust in God. Joshua chapter one, verse nine, encourages us to be strong and courageous, knowing that God is with us wherever we go. I had a hard time being courageous, being courage enough, courageous enough to face the elephants in the room. I, I really thought if I prayed long enough, the elephants in the room would go away. I thought if I talked enough and used my powers of persuasion, the elephants in the room would go away. The problems would go away. I hoped they would go away. Anybody ever done that before? <laughs> if I just, if I just, eventually it will just go away. But it doesn't. I've got a little gift for you. I'm just gonna pass it down. Just take one, pass it down. The problems don't go away through hoping. They don't go away, I'm just sleep on it another night when I wake up in the morning, the magic wand will just, it'll be gone. What I found was when I was unwilling to face my elephants according to the path of scripture that I laid out before you today, they just kept getting bigger and I kept getting more and more frustrated. Further and further off the path of what God had called me to be and to do, 
because I was unwilling to face the problem. I had, an ele- I had a necklace that had a little elephant on it. Can't find it. And, um, but I would, I would literally, after God gave me this word, I would literally, before I would have a difficult conversation, I would grab my necklace and I would just hold it and say, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I am called to be strong. I am called to be courageous. Yes, I can be a peacemaker, but God, you have given me and positioned me to address the elephant. And so I would hold the elephant literally, and I would get myself up enough courage. You guys are probably like, she's such a whip. (laughs) And I would get myself up enough courage to have that conversation or make that phone call, to have that cup of coffee or have that team meeting or have that family meeting, whatever it was at the time. It would literally, there were times I was sick to my stomach because I did not want to deal with the elephant in the room. So this morning I wanted to give you, Travis says it looks like a glorified Dumbo, but it's all I could find on Amazon. So each of you have a little keychain with a, oh, where's mine? Oh, here he is. Everybody got their little elephant here? Everybody's got your little elephant now. So the good thing is Travis said that it was gender neutral colors. So so the guys and the girls, you can put it wherever you want. Carry it with you, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it on the monitor at work, wherever you need your reminder. I wanna ask you a question. What is the one elephant in the room of your life that you have to face? The one thing that when you think about it, it literally suffocates you. That you think, I I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have that conversation. I don't know how to deal with that thing. What is that one thing? And I want you to get it before you Just hold on to that thought for a minute. And I want you to think about what is that one baby elephant situation that you are called to love and groom? Because baby elephants are actually quite adorable. And when baby elephants and you learn and you study the life of, I I begin to study elephants. That's a strange thing for me to study. But if there's a documentary on elephants, I've started watching them. And, And their tribes are pretty incredible. That when baby elephants are trained by the mother and father, it's it's an incredible family environment. So what's the small thing that's just enough to aggravate you right now 
It's like, ugh, just like a thorn in the side. But God is saying to you, how can you groom or love that baby elephant to bring change to that situation? Because if you don't love that baby elephant and begin to mentor and love that situation, it will grow into a wild, big elephant. And it won't go away. I've tried that. We are called to love our baby elephants. So I want you to say this with me. And I want you to put your name. I'm going to say it this way. Stephanie, I love baby elephants. I want you to put your name in there. And I want you to say, Ella, I, Ella loves baby elephants. Stephanie loves baby elephants. Hannah loves baby elephants. Let's say it together. Put your name in the middle of that sentence. One, two, three. Stephanie loves baby elephants. What are those things? What's the thing that's suffocating you? And what's the thing that you're called to not ignore anymore? You've got to face your elephant. Elephants. Just do one at a time. And as you face those elephants, it was interesting because I was listening to a message um, the other day. It was Christine Kane. And I thought, why am I, why am I drawn to this particular message right now? She took us to Luke chapter 17, verse 32. She said it was the second shortest verse in the Bible. Everybody know what the first one is? Hey, you guys are, this is a very smart congregation. And it was this. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What did Lot's wife do? It's interesting because Jesus, if you go to Luke 17 and you read this whole passage of scripture, it's kind of heavy. I mean, Jesus is talking about end of time, talking about, I mean, like there's a lot of things happening in this conversation. And then he stops in the middle of this whole passage of scripture that's pretty heavy. And he says, remember Lot's wife. There are more than a hundred women in the Bible. I feel like in that moment, he would say, hey, remember my mom? She was pretty awesome. She birthed me. Or like, hey, remember Eve? She tricked Adam, like kind of messed everything up. I mean, I feel like there are other women that he could have said, but he doesn't even call her by name. He just says, remember Lot's wife. As you deal with your elephants, this is what I found from personal experience. When I look back and continue to regurgitate the elephants of the past, I can't move forward. 
Because I can't move forward looking through the rearview mirror. Now, there may be truth and wisdom that I've gained from those, but I have to let them go. And I can't long for it. Now, Lot's wife was actually longing for what she had. I can't look back. Lot's wife, she looked back, and does anybody remember what happened to her? She became a pillar of salt. Now, we're called to be salt to this world, but salt that became a pillar actually becomes calcified. Like, we don't want to be stiff and stuck. Thank you. So, today, what's the one thing you got to deal with? The big elephant. What's the baby that you've got to mentor and love? And what are the situations that you have to let go of and move on? I want us to stand and hold your elephant and let's declare these together. I'm gonna say it, you say it after me. I will never live under the power of something that is so big that it suffocates me and the people that I love. Number two, I will never live under the power of something so big that it pushes me off course. I can face my problems with the word of God and the truth found in his word. I can enjoy my baby elephants. I can shape and nurture my baby elephants so that they are a delight and they bring me great strength. They bring me great joy. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are giving us the wisdom, the clarity, the courage to face our elephants. God, let us be a congregation full of people that face problems head on with the spirit of love and truth and joy and peace and patience and long suffering that together we bear each other's problems and situations that we are wisdom for one another, God. Let us be a safe harbor let us push away and take care of anything that gets in the way of what you've called us to be through the power of your love and your word. Lord, let us be a people that love, say it with me, baby elephants. Amen. Amen. God bless you.